this is historical AF, or if you request like we do, historical as fuck. <laughs> With a capital, capital F. Capital fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the extra August AF episode. And I forgot what else I was going to say, but welcome. <laughs> I'm a shit show. I'm That's sorry, so guys. It's fine. This is where we bring you some new stories and listener stories. Yes, the stories that you have sent us on our email, and we will drop that email address at the end of the episode like we normally do, but I'm also dropping it here in case you want to go ahead and write it down. If you want to send us listener stories and be featured on our extra episodes each month, you're going to send those to historicalafpod at gmail.com. Do it now. Be famous. Be on the podcast. And if you don't do it now, do it at the end when we tell you our email address again. Yes, once you could go. Yes. (laughs) Pause it, send your story, come back. Welcome back. (laughs) Yay, we're so glad you came back after sending us a story. We're so excited. Look, there might be more alcohol involved than there normally is during our extra episodes, so strap in. (laughs) Listen, we're about to do our drunk dive right after this, which if you haven't listened to our drunk dive, you should also stop what you're doing, join Patreon, then come back. Welcome back. (laughs) <laughs> this makes me think of Sonic every time you go to Sonic drive-thru they're like welcome back and I'm like they know you fat bitches like you keep coming back listen the Sonic here used to know me by name in the mornings like one girl knew me by name when she when I showed up every day oh, That's awesome. I used to work at Sonic and we had regulars and they'd bring us like cookies and stuff too <laughs> oh amazing. my god and then we'd give them discounts because they brought us cookies so nice. tip out there Bake cookies. Yeah, it's a give and take. I like it. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Oh my God. We didn't say our names. Hi, I'm Ashley. Oh, hi. I'm Kina. And I'm Natalie. Hello. <laughs> Natalie and I are librarians. Kina's a historian. What, what? In case you it's... haven't listened to us before. Yeah. Historian <laughs> slash ex librarian. I left the library game for the historian. Historian. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This is a shit show. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> We're going to do a couple news stories, and then we are going to jump right into some listener stories. Yeah, I'm really excited. We got some good ones this week. Yeah. So, Natalie, you want to jump in with your article, and then we'll go from there? All right. Horn. (laughs) You have my attention. (laughs) Go on. All right. Porn at the library. Yay or nay? What do y'all think? I have mixed feelings on it. I think that feel like in a public place maybe don't look at it but we also because of freedom of information can't stop people from looking at it i mean i worked in a children's department so it was like a big nah on my end because it'd be like stop it and then i'd shut their computers down but yes i know that's but, my knee-jerk reaction my knee-jerk is be like no let's not have that yeah like you can go home for that you can find your own private space for that yes yeah. but i do understand to not censor and for freedom of speech or you know or to do and but like do people watch porn just for entertainment or is it all for like arousal purposes because if you're watching porn to like get your rocks off you don't want to do that in a library but if you're just watching it because you're appreciating the art form i guess <laughs> be fine so every time i have caught someone watching porn and had to have like a come to jesus like hey maybe don't do that It has not been, like, in a sexual way. I had to talk to this old guy, like, 80-something years old at one of the libraries who was watching booty clap videos. (laughs) I had to 
explain why that wasn't okay because like kids were walking through. Like I'm fine as long as they're 18 and up, fine. But if it's where like kids can see it, maybe yeah. don't. But yeah, so I've never like seen it be someone who's like masturbating while doing it. That's true. I haven't either. And I mean, let's be honest, we've all seen porn and it's fine. There's no shame in it, but maybe don't do it in a public place. Yeah. yeah. Or just be aware I mean, with who's around you. Yes. At Lame and the only times I saw people masturbating, they were not on a computer. So Yes, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did catch people all the time if they would be in the stacks. Yeah. Or like, you know, not the computer. So I don't know. You got me thinking. Maybe I don't know the answer to this question. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. Well, this is an old article. It's actually from 2005, but there are some currently too. So it was kind of a a little bit of a hard choice, but I ended up picking this one. And anyway, so the man says, I was disturbed to see a man looking at pornography on a New York public library computer. When two children sat down near him, I decided to take action, but he instantly switched to an inoffensive video game, which I'm like, all right, consider it good. Continues on, a security guard told me that they were keeping an eye on him and a couple of other people who were acting similarly. Should I have alerted someone as soon as I became aware of this man's activities? Anonymous New York, a guard monitoring someone's reading. And they, in the article, they continue on saying that, that, that they feel more uncomfortable by a guard kind of keeping an eye on what people are looking at mm-hmm. on the computer. And they said they more encourage, like, if they see someone looking at porn or something questionable, they and someone has an issue with it, they'd rather go to that patron that has the issue and ask them to more move so they don't have to see what that person's viewing. Yep. What are, yeah. what are your thoughts about that? That's what we've done in the past. My husband and I actually have this conversation a lot because he's in IT and he works in a library. That's where we met. And he has done studies in his schoolwork about freedom of information and porn and libraries and all that. So I I think as long as the patron is not being inappropriately, like inappropriate and touching themselves and has a screen that is not within view of other patrons, I don't care. I'm not going to shame someone for looking at porn. But at the same time, like if you're masturbating or mm-hmm. making lewd uh, comments or gestures at other people or it's where like, other people can see it who aren't consenting to seeing that i'm not about that life especially children because this person they're talking about referring to the article you know like a couple of five-year-olds i believe yeah sat near them so Mm -hmm. i am happy that they changed to a video game like okay good being aware of your surroundings yeah yeah like i said you know i worked in a teen center so most of those websites you have to be 18 or older to access those sites. So I felt like I, it was within my realm of responsibility to be like, get off that site. Cause you've yes. lied about your age to get on it. But I think it'd also be a little trickier. Like I said, if they're masturbating, absolutely not that you're in a public place that's indecent exposure and all that good stuff. But you know, but then if you think from the librarian side, the way the desks in most libraries are set up, you're set up kind of central area where you can see every computer. So yep. whatever you're watching, you're blasting the librarian in the face with it. So, yeah. and they're I mean, probably not consenting to that. Yeah, nope. they're not consenting. <laughs> that's that's the main thing for me. Consent. If I'm, yeah. if the person that you're with is consenting to see it, fine. But the other people around you are not consenting to see that, so it needs to stop. Yeah. Well, and it might go against what they believe in or what their comfort level is. Like, there's just so many angles to look at it in that yep. yeah. retrospect. 
And there's a lot of like tricky areas because there's some like YouTube videos that aren't technically porn, but some people could construe that as porn. Yes. Like your girl likes rap videos, okay? And most of the stuff I listen to is like Cardi B. And yeah, most of those are strippers making those booty clap, but <laughs> it's art to me. So I can, I understand that part too. You might be watching a music video. And yep. it might. I know. Yeah. I, I remember in the children's department, I would see kids watching music videos and a very borderline, but technically they are just music videos though. They're not technically porn. Yeah, and if the parent and just, and the parents nearby just on their phones, of course not paying attention, but yeah. <laughs> you know, if that's what they listen to and they think it's okay, then, then yeah. all right. Yep. I mean, I know you guys probably don't listen to Cardi B at the level that I do, but her new video press is like this whole thing about the press culture and how they're violating her. But half the video, she is completely nude. They've just blurred out her lady bit so that she doesn't have nipples or like you can't actually see the vagina. But she's completely nude. But they're getting past that nudity thing because a lot of YouTube and Instagram say if they see nipple, that's nudity. So I'm sure if we saw that video, it's like 30 women completely butt-ass nude doing a dance. We'd all be like, whoa, porn. But yeah. <laughs> I usually look at it with um, patrons. If it's something that like other people can see and it's actual like intercourse, I usually am like, hey, maybe don't watch that here. But if it's like booty clap or someone who's just happens to be topless, like doing something, I normally don't like pause really about it. But I think I'm just like completely desensitized to it at this point. It's like the episode where we said booty clap like four times. <laughs> yes. Booty clap, booty clap, booty clap. I mean, I'm not right. gonna lie. If I could do that, I'd be real sure. talk. Look, if I had it's enough booty to booty clap, psh, go ahead and watch it. It's fine. It's a talent. Put that on the resume. I don't know. Real talk. <laughs> Natalie, anyway, Stanley's like, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> what the fuck did I join? <laughs> I am not okay. For the record, I am not anti booty clap. But will I be joining this club? No, I will not. I can appreciate it from afar is getting natalie to say booty clap yeah (laughs) Uh, i feel like that should be a drinking game so if you haven't been drinking please re-listen to this little tidbit all the stuff and drink every time you hear booty clap look i'm so drunk (laughs) at this point i can't feel my ears so (laughs) i probably don't need to drink more but i'm gonna keep going go on oh yeah chug it let's go once again you should go to www.patreon.com slash historical AF pod to see what happens after this when we try to do a drunk dive. Cause yes. Because the only time I really drink on here is when we have a drunk dive coming up. Otherwise, I'm usually like drinking water or soda. Not me, but I'm drunk. I've doubled up this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this time. I'm on my fourth alcoholic beverage. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. Natalie. Uh, that's all I have at the moment. Oh. Cool. Well, that's awesome. No, it's a really good point because I think everybody's knee-jerk reaction, like you said, is to be like library porn. No, but when you really dive into the ethics of it, it is the freedom to. Someone once mentioned like if we should have porn at the library. Nope. And I'm like, mm, that's maybe a little too far. But again, that's like a knee-jerk reaction. And I think about censorship, and I'm like, well, I don't know. But I really don't want a room of adult material and then just find a bunch of people just jerking off in there. Well, here's the thing about that. As a former programmer for adult things, uh, for adults 18 and up, we can't show that because 
there's always a risk unless you do it after hours and are very strict about um, entrance. There's a risk that people under the age of 18 could come mm-hmm. in. So you can't do that. Yeah. Like I've, I've talked about that and written about that in my like grad school stuff, as well as dealing with it in a library setting. Mm-hmm. So you just can't do that. And I know like, if you're not in the library world, you probably don't realize all the complicated like intricacies of programming. So yep. if one of us was to do a program, like your movies have to be PG, PG-13 sometimes is even pushing it. And it has yep. to be something that's not copyrighted. You have to have like a license. So there's like a huge list of things that we have to do before we can even bring it to the public. So that opens up even more a can of worms. Cause yeah, there's you- so much red tape. Yeah. So, like, how do you publicly, you know, allow porn when you can't even play, like, a PG-13 movie? (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot. It's very complicated, you guys. Very complicated. It's nuts. Yeah. No, I'm glad you did that topic, Natalie, because I think a lot of people wouldn't think of it any differently than just your obvious no. I try to be considerate. This week's historical news article, I am a nerd, so I have an Android, which... Ashley's going to hiss over over there. (laughs) (laughs) But I get these like Google alerts for like news stories. And this morning I got one. And the world's oldest intact shipwreck was discovered in the Black Sea. Which so Mm. fascinating. So it's a 23 meter vessel that has lain undisturbed for 2,400 years. And because it's in the Black Sea... That means that the salt density has almost preserved this perfectly because there's nothing in that water that could break it down like you could in an ocean that has less, you know, salt. The vessel is thought to be ancient Greek and it was discovered with its mast, its rudders, and rowing benches all present and intact. So that's so cool. Yeah, basically, it looks exactly like it did the day it like wrecked. That blew my mind. (laughs) Okay, so it's a mile below the surface, and a lack of oxygen at that depth has preserved it. Oh, this is a quote. A ship surviving intact from the classical world lying in two kilometers of water is something I would have never believed possible, says Professor John (laughs) Adams, the principal investigator of the Black Sea Maritime Archaeological Project, the team that made the find. This will change our understanding of shipbuilding and seafaring in the ancient world. The ship is believed to have been a trading vessel of a type that researchers say has only been previously seen on ancient Greek pottery, such as the siren vase of the British Museum. So I'm going to show you guys, and then I'll post it on social media. But do you see it? Oh, cool. Oh, neat. Yeah, so it's a famous vase, or vase, depending on how you say it. (laughs) And it's, if you take any art history class, you're going to see this face because it is such a prime example of Greek seafaring. Um, it looks exactly like this. So it blew their mind because up until this point, they were like, it's on the vessel, but we haven't seen it. So did it really look like that? Or is it just like artistic liberties? But this proves that this is exactly what it looked like. Uh, the work, which dates about the same period as this vessel, depicts a similar vessel bearing Odysseus past the sirens with the Homeric hero lashed to the mast to resist their songs. So if you can see, I don't know if you saw it, but yeah, he's tied to the little pole thing so the sirens can't lure them to his death. Oh. Team reportedly said they intended to leave the vessel where it is because they didn't want the oxygen to attack it once it goes to the surface. Ba-ba-ba. 
Sorry, that was almost McDonald's. Oh, it was. <laughs> it's among more than 60 shipwrecks that have been found by the International Team of Maritime Archaeologists, Scientists, and Maritime Surveyors. And it gives a better understanding of the Black Sea in general. So up until this point, they actually thought the Greek vessels all hugged the shoreline. But this proves that they went out deeper. So this is really big historically because it's kind of changing our entire understanding of Greek trading. So I was really uh, excited. It's going to be a documentary. It'll be a two-hour film that's going to be shown at the British Museum. So hopefully it will be on the interwebs at some point. But hope I'm pretty excited about this because... I love it when we find something in history that changes everything we ever thought we knew. It was so epic. It is a really cool find, and I wish I could find something that cool. I just love that it's like preserved and everything, too. That's just so neat. Yes. I also want to go swim in there because it's so salty that you just float. Yes, I want to do that. (laughs) I admit, I don't have a problem with that at all. Like, my body just goes up. Yep. (laughs) I don't. I sink. I don't understand. Because you have more muscle mass than us. I guess, maybe. I don't know. We went swimming the other day. And unless I'm completely, like, aboard straight, I just go to the bottom. No, no, no. Like, my butt will float, too. It's first first to go. (laughs) Yep. Like, I just slowly ease up, and my butt's always, like, a little bit ahead of everything. Yep, me too. (laughs) My Mm -hmm. dad was, like, he was, like, 5'8", but he was super skinny. But every time we went to the lake, he would just go to the bottom like a rock. So he always had to, like, strap a life jacket on and he would <laughs> sit on it and stuff because he had nothing to make him float. That is wonderful. All right. So moving on to our listener stories. Sure. Okay. So the first one is from Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Hi Jeff. <laughs> and before I get into the listener story, I have also, first, I'm drunk and I can't hold my head up. So... <laughs> For those can, that can see me, a.k.a. Kina and Natalie, I'm just going to lay my head down. Laying so, it down for you, Jeff. <laughs> yes, laying it down for Jeff. No, Jeff, he... That's him on Instagram, right? Jeff, Jeff? Yes, Jeff, Jeff. And every time I see it, I go, Jeff, blah, because I'm a white woman. So, <laughs> yes. And I have decided to tell Jeff because he, I know him through a friend that I went to high school with, Jeff. If you're listening, and I know you are, you should uh, lock that shit down with Lila. Ah! Ooh, she Just called you out. Call it out. Lock that shit down. Wife her up. Anyway, no pressure, Jeff. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> hashtag propose, Jeff. <laughs> They're not even dating. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm telling I... you, you need to wipe that shit up. I've decided. <laughs> Jeff writes in, hi, my name is Jeff. Hi, Jeff. And I grew up in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. Back home, there is a road called Witch Duck Road, where they tried and quote-unquote ducked a witch. I did not know what that means, but we'll get to that. (laughs) If I remember right, and they accused her of all sorts of fantastical things. I remember a children's book about the Witch of Pungo being read to me, saying how she would sail around in an eggshell. And there's a statue raised to her as well. And then he gives a link, which I will read off of that link. And then uh, he says, anyways, I thought it was an interesting bit of history still hanging around in present day. Podcast is great. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. He probably won't say that now that I've told him he needs to uh, lock that shit down with Lila. Ruined it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, Lila. I do appreciate. He's one of like the first people to like our shit on Instagram. So Yes, and he gave us a 
review and I'm kind of sad that he didn't win the contest. Yeah. Yes, I love Jeff. I haven't met Jeff yet, but I'm sure I will love him. Someday when we have a live show, we will meet you, Jeff, because we will go to Witch Duck, Virginia. Yes. No, he I think he's in Texas, if I recall correctly. Oh, I'm in Texas. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Fairly close. But yes, yeah, so the um the info that Jeff sent us is pretty interesting. And I'm just gonna read it word for word because I mean there's no way to really word it better. Yeah. So on July 10th, 1706, a 46 year old Princess Anne County woman named Grace Sherwood faced an unusual legal procedure. Well, alcohol. Her hands were tied and she was about to be thrown from a boat into a river as a test to see if she was a witch. Oh no. For several years, neighbors talked of how the midwife, healer, and widowed mother of three had ruined crops, killed livestock, and conjured up storms, which that's a lot to attribute to one woman, and I want that kind of power. (laughs) Uh... Then in January of 1706, Luke Hill formally accused Sherwood of witchcraft. The case passed from the county, and this kind of ties into episode 16, by the by. Yeah, it does. you are looking forward to listening to 16 when this drops. Yes, listen to 16, it's about witches. So the case passed from the county court to the Attorney General of Virginia without any judgment, Finally, authorities in Princess Anne County ordered that the accused be, quote unquote, ducked, did not, I knew this was a thing, but didn't know it was called being ducked, and consecrated water to determine her guilt or innocence. By this ordeal, if she sank, she would be declared innocent, but if she floated, her identity as a witch would be proven. So she was tied up, like basically hogtied, and thrown into the water. If she sinks, she's innocent, but she also drowns, and then if she floats, she's a witch. Oh, no, Natalie, you would float and you would die. I know, know. me too. (laughs) Well, I'm a witch. We talked about that. I would sink. I am not a witch. You heard it here first. But then you drown, though. They tie you up. Yeah, but, like, you, if you're innocent, you fucking drown. So there's no, like... Or you float and burn. Yes. I would rather drown, maybe. I don't know. That's one of those... I'd rather float. two things that I don't want to die. I don't want to drown or burn. Same. So here's what happens. So a spot in the Linhaven River off what is today known as Witch Duck Point was chosen and Grace Sherwood was bound and thrown from a boat. She managed to untie herself and rise to the surface, proving to those present that she was a witch. As punishment for her crime, Grace Sherwood spent seven years in jail. <gasps> oh, no. Seven years in jail is better than being drowned. Personally. I, know. I was saying of all punishments, that is better yeah i mean so, fast forward to like houdini getting out of like ropes in the water is like a cool thing he's also a witch so <laughs> after her release the so-called witch of pungo uh returned to her home and lived lived peacefully until her death around the age of 80 on july 10th of 2006 tim kane restored grace sherwood's good name 300 years to the day since the ducking ordeal that condemned her for witchcraft so, yeah, she survived it, was found to be a witch, and went to jail for seven years. That is so crazy. But, yeah, so that is from Jeff. I appreciate it greatly. And everyone else needs to send us awesome stories like that that are kind of sad, but that's totally fine. I know. It's such a good well, story, so, but damn. I mean, it, is, it is sad, but oh, man, it also makes me think of Monty Python because I think they have the witch duck test tube. Yes. And <laughs> so that is my humor out of it because I. I love Monty Python. Well, it makes me think of Monty Python, and then it also thinks ma- thinks me make <laughs> <laughs> makes me think of Letterkenny. 
the quote yes. that Tina and I discussed that she didn't understand at first about like, was it the, does a duck with a boner drag weeds? Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does a duck with a boner gra- drag weeds? Well, does a witch that sinks, is she actually a witch? Anyway, I'm drunk. <laughs> Go on. I saw where you were going. Yes. A strong start. It did. Then it sunk in the <laughs> river like a not witch. Uh, hashtag not twitch yes I, man ladies we've had a, a rough go you know? mm-hmm. can't, can't win anywho what? our second listener stories comes from deanne walker who is one of our patreon members hey deanne hi deanne and you rhyme with my middle name which is leanne oh i'll never forget her name <laughs> All right, so she says, hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. I wanted to share with you some history of the little town in New Mexico that I used to live in called Dimming. This sleepy southwestern town actually has fairly interesting roots, which she is quite the writer. Like, she is illustrate. Oh, she is. She has made a beautiful email here. Awesome. We love those. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Dimming was founded in 1881, although its beginning saw light earlier in the 1880s. It's a hard scrabble stop on the Butterfield stage line of the 1850s. Rumor has it that outlaws were given a one-way ticket to Dimming from other areas. Oh. The, I know, she's such a... She's really painting such a picture. Such a wordsmith. <laughs> right? The Southern Pacific Railway basically birthed Dimming as it expanded towards the West. The town was named after a railroad magnate's wife. Her name was Mary Dimming Crocker. At the time of its founding, it was no more than a tent city with a few shanties, a roadhouse, and a repair shop on the railway. I love a good shanty. Real talk. (laughs) Once the Santa Fe, Topeka, and Atchison railroads finished their junctions with the South Pacific Railway, Dimming's prominence in the southern New Mexico was secured. 1882 saw the construction of actual buildings as settlers flocked in. By 1887, there was roughly 1,600 inhabitants of this former railroad tent city. Schools, churches, and hotels were built to accommodate the citizens. During World War II, the War Department built Camp Cody in Deming, and the camp sprawled across 2,000 acres and was a training facility. And then I looked up some stuff she sent us a bunch of links too so i looked and the camp was actually named in honor of william buffalo bill cody so cool a fun little tidbit and then with camp cody i found a lot of stuff explaining the camp but then i also found some letters from the people that were on camp cody and i thought that they described it a lot better than us boring historians could (laughs) so the following letters are from Iowa boys. Give a great view of life at Camp Cody. So, Camp Cody, New Mexico, October 10th, 1917. Well, here we are stranded on a wide, wide desert, but a glad of the change at that. We've been working hard since we arrived, and we've nearly fixed up well yet. God, old-timey talk is hard, especially when you're drinking. Yep. yep. <laughs> Ooh, our troop train pulled into dimming about 10 o'clock Monday night. Details were picked up for various duties, and I was put in with a bunch for unloading the horses. It took a lot of hard work fixing up the gangway for each separate car, but at least we got all the horses into a big corral. We fed them hay, and we gathered up our equipment, which we had on the trip with us, and hiked back up to the dark tracks to the passenger and freight cars. 
At 1.30, my bunkie and I fixed the bed together on the ground, and we shivered to sleep. <laughs> At 5.30 a.m., the whole battery got busy, and we worked hard all day. It got awfully hot as soon as the sun came up, 106 degrees, in fact, though it didn't seem that hot. It's a funny climate. Our camp that is a... funny. <laughs> that doesn't sound funny to me at all. No. <laughs> I will pass. <laughs> uh, our camp is a strip of sandy ground situated on a wide plain. It's on line with the camps of many other companies and batteries. The mess shack was already built, as were the showers and latrines. But we had to put up all the tents and picket lines and fix up the gun park. The ground is just plain sand with a lot of little tufts of grass here and there. So basically, this guy's like, this place is hot and I have to work a lot. So <laughs> he's not a fan. Earl Moser, in writing to his cousin, Miss Vesta Moser, says that the thermometer registers from 110 to 115 at Camp Cody. He is well and hearty. <laughs> I just like that. Same. I've never, never described myself as hearty, but I think I should. He I says describe the, myself as well. Yeah. <laughs> he's been promoted and his pay advanced $6 a month. What? Big spender. What? <laughs> oh, God. Got that money. <laughs> he says the camp is dry and dusty, and after spending nine months there, he's anxious to be sent overseas. <laughs> well, yeah, I would be too. Same. <laughs> oh, God. That just, just like, I'm done. Send me to the war zone. Can't do it. I got six dollars. I'm out. There's a shit ton of dust. It's hot. I'm out. He also said, We're all broke, but expect to get paid anytime. I sure have a big appetite since we arrived with the hard work and no candy. Or anything sweet. I would appreciate <laughs> some of sweets if you would send it. <laughs> this person has to be like one of my past lives. <laughs> yes. This is a me food. Patronus right here. I Especially yeah. like sweet stuff. That's like my weakness. Yep. Uh-oh, yes, and okay. cake. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This would definitely be all of us. Oh, hey, on our trip down to Fort Logan, <laughs> we stopped at several towns to feed and water our horses at Texarkana. We got oh, out. What? Love that. All of our uh, states. Towns. It does. We got out and marched around the town and at Sulphur Springs, the officers let us go out on our own for a whole hour. <laughs> The townspeople treated us pretty well, giving us apples, cigars, and auto rides. <laughs> At El Paso, Hala, Texas, the Red Cross ladies gave us coffee and sandwiches and a postcard. Man, this guy likes to eat, and I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> I'm here for it. This is obviously an ancestor. <laughs> you, like, write, you write back to your family, and all you talk about is food. <laughs> I had a delectable Monte Cristo. <laughs> All right, and then the last one is from November 19th, 1917. Dear folks at home. Very broad there. (laughs) Well, I finally got down here, Lana Thursday, and it was sure some of a ride. When we stopped in towns, we were not allowed to go in the stores to buy anything to eat. So there were, oh, I don't want to say that word, uh, inward porters on the train that brought, brought us food. I just refuse to say that out of principle. Same. Yeah, we don't say that word. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we had to pay more for it, a pie costing a whole 30 cents, but two or three of us went together on them, so it didn't cost that much. If you had to split a piece of pie three ways, I would not be happy. I don't call the crust. 
I don't share pie. Yeah, no. I just do not. We surely do get tired of the same thing over and over again. One of our boys I chummed with had some fruit and fried chicken along. <laughs> he shared it with me. Okay, so in grad school, I had this archival class where we had to file away some documents or whatever. And I got like a war person or whatever. I think it was like World War One. And the whole time he kept on talking about fried chicken. So this <laughs> has to be a thing. But like World War One era, people were sending people fried chicken. I have so much, so many questions. How does it? Look, if I'm at war, I want fried chicken. But how does it not go bad in the mail? Do they the mail packet? They didn't have like Amazon Prime day service back then. I just, I don't know. Maybe it was rotten and they were like, fuck it, I'm eating it anyway. <laughs> that would be me. I'm- so what we're hearing is that the food is better moldy fried chicken in the mail than what was that Camp Cody? <laughs> I prefer fried chicken cold than hot, so I'm okay with it. Well, they still could have heated it up over a pie or something. Maybe it was preserved some way with like extra salt or something. Yeah, like, did like they a salt packet. I would, I would imagine. But yeah, the le- I had to read the letters to figure out how to sort them into like or the archive. But I was like, why is fried chicken coming up every time? I just, I don't know. But then he says him and the guy with the fried chicken became good friends, <laughs> and they, uh, <laughs> of course, give me fried chicken, I'll be your best friend. I don't know. He says he is a fine fellow and we're still together, but I can't tell for how long it will be. We're liable to be transferred any day now. So his account of Camp Cody was about the same as the other guys. Bad food. Slept on the floor. Too hot. Oh, he says, well, folks, I'm fine and dandy. The water <laughs> here is good and the meals are better than at Camp Dodge, at least. <laughs> Don't worry, as Chuck is all right. Oh, he talks to himself in the third person. That's sweet. Oh, good job, Chuck. <laughs> With <laughs> loving thoughts to all. And that was it. Uh, I just thought those were really cute. Like, stories from Camp Cody. Anyway, she says that at the end of the war, Camp Cody was converted into a tuberculosis sanatorium for ex-soldiers. And I found that at the time it reopened as a sanitarium, it was the largest of establishments of this kind in the world. And the 19 buildings had a capacity of 400 patients. That's that's a lot. lot. I mean, Arkansas had a tuberculosis hospital, but it didn't have that many. So 400 people. I mean, I wonder how much staff they had and everything to. (laughs) Three. (laughs) Probably. I mean, I'm thinking the Arkansas one had. I mean, I know the insane asylums were topped at like 150. I think the tuberculosis mm-hmm. were around two. So that's yeah. that's like double what a normal one would be. It's wild. Crazy. She says that it was operated by the Catholic Sisters of the Holy Cross in 1939. Camp Cody was completely decimated by fire and subsequently the sanatorium ceased to operate. Pre-Great Depression and an economic slump hit Dimming pretty hard in 1923 and 24. Demings, two banks were forced to shutter their doors, and recovery was very slow during this downturn. World War II proved to be a boom to the economy in the struggling town. An Army Air Force base was installed in Deming. Holla, Air Force. Okay, <laughs> it was it was used to train bombarder uh, <laughs> bombardiers. Uh, no, it's not French bombarders. I'm gonna say that. And housed approximately five thousand soldiers. Wow, that's a lot. 
Also during this time, Deming National Guard was called into service deploying to the Philippines. The 200 Coast Artillery Unit, commanded by C.G. Sage, publisher of the Deming local newspaper, met with misfortune as most of the men in the unit fell victim to the infamous Bataan Death March. In total, there were at least 246 men from the Luna County, of which Deming is the county seat. Many of these soldiers lost their lives, while many remain prisoner of war until 1945. Wow. Wow. A few other sites concerning Demi, the site of the Holy Cross Sanitarium is said to be fraught with paranormal activity. Well, what? <laughs> Got my attention, Deanne. <laughs> <laughs> you say ghosts, and I'm like, huh. But then she says satanic rites. You lost me there, Deanne. You know how I feel about demons. I just I love them. What if they have fried chicken? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that'd bring it back. Ooh, yep. maybe, maybe. The <laughs> satanic rites were also said to be conducted in the ruins. The area was completely demolished about four years ago to discourage paranormal seekers and Satanists alike, but activity still continues. I mean, if you're looking for a ghost, tearing it down is not going to stop us. Nope. <laughs> Let's be real. The airplane hangars that remained post-World War II are now being used to house immigrants in the current crisis on the border. I don't know how... Yeah. I don't know much else about that. I'm including a link to the site that has old photos of Camp Cody, which I'm going to put on our social media, and also to the Deming homepage, which I found a lot of this extra information. So if you want to find out more about Deming, then you should definitely uh, give it a Google because it's a really interesting town. And then she says, thanks for taking the time to read this. So thank you, Deanne, because this was a lovely read. Yes, that was a wild ride. It was. I am really impressed by that. I'm very jealous of how well she writes. Right? Yes. Yes, I am. Like, the writer in me is living for how well she wrote. It's very interesting. Yeah. I know. I never would have known that. So that's awesome. I know. I love this. I really hope more people write in about their hometowns because I am fascinated. Absolutely. And we all got fun stories. All of our hometowns have something cool. Yes. Yes. So shall I go on to the next one? Yeah. Okay, guys. I'm so excited because I get the distinct pleasure of reading (laughs) Kina's mom's listener story. Yeah. (laughs) So basically, any questions we have, Kina is here to answer them for us. Yeah. My mom right. is like basically a celebrity in this podcast. Let's face it. I am such a fan of Kina's mom. Like I've never <laughs> met her, but I love her. <laughs> Kina's mom, hit me up. Add me on Facebook. We'll be friends. Slide into our DMs. She wants. Yeah, to slide into me. our DMs. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I'll take you. But yes. So I love Miss Alita. She. I am such a fan of her. I'm. So, I'm like really so happy I get to read this. Okay, so Grandma Dada, 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 Data. Data. Yep, I'm already batting a thousand. It's okay. It's a really <laughs> weird name. Like it's spelled it D-A-D-A. Looks, so it's don't ask. but there's also like the artist movement, and that is Dada. So you would yes. think that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. No, it's Data. I like dated an artist in college, so I went with Dada. But it's yeah. Grandma Data. I, I, I went so Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, yes. go for Star Trek, and you'll be good. I went. Yeah. I, yeah, my brain went immediately Star Trek. Data. <laughs> You can tell her fandoms. Go with that. Anyway, <laughs> so there, her grandma Data had a huge cedar chest that when we were little, we thought it was a treasure chest, which also Aww. my grandma's che- uh, uh, cedar chest, same. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. It was past the back bedroom in a dressing room area that had two closets. Grandma occasionally would tell us to bring the chairs and she'd look in the chest. Grandma would set it in front of the chest with her back to the smaller closet and I always had to face it and kept my eyes on it always. I started having the dreams when I was really young, about six or seven. In the dream, I would walk to the closet and open the door. Inside, there were stairs going up. I would be so scared, but would make myself go up them. I would come to a room that was dark and dusty with furniture covered by old sheets. I would start walking into the room and suddenly feel like I wasn't alone. I swear to God, this is about my grandma's house because I had the same problem. The corners of the room were really dark. In the back left corner, I would see movement and a woman would come out of the dark. She was wearing a long black skirt, black high neck blouse with long sleeves. Her hair was up in a bun, but I couldn't see her face at all. It was just a dark shadow. The closer she came to me, I would feel total terror and would wake up on the floor next to my bed. I apparently rolled out of bed to wake myself up. I had this dream for years up until my 20s when my grandparents sold the house and it was torn down. Uh, (laughs) The dream bothered me so much that I never talked about it to anyone. The house we lived in when I was young was next door to my grandparents' house. My parents rented it. It was old and my brother and sisters and I realized when we were grown that the place was haunted. Same. My house is haunted as hell. So many (laughs) things happened there, but that's another story. Several years ago, I was visiting my older sister, and we started talking about the things that had happened in our house. I finally brought up my dream, and she was shocked and told me she had had similar dreams. In hers, she would open the closet door, but there would be a ladder instead of stairs, and she would start up the ladder, but the fear would cause her to wake up before she reached the top. I also had another dream about the house. I would be standing in the road in front of the house, and the bottom of the house was my grandparents, but it would have a second story with an attic space. The curtains on the front window would be pulled to the side, and I could see the shape of the woman looking down at me. My grandfather built that house after their marriage, but I always wondered if there could have been another house there first. Oh, so spooky. So spooky. I'm very mixed feelings. (laughs) I know. Like, I'm so creeped out, but also fascinated. Exactly. I've tried to research it, but, like, none of them can actually remember what plot of land that was on. But this is flippin'. Like yes. Arkansas. And I love that name. Sorry. I love right? Isn't Arkansas. it the best? Well, thank you, Miss Alita. I love it and I love you. Yeah, I remember when they said that to each other. It was like the light turned on. They had the same dream every year for like Oof. they were kids. And that must be terrifying. Oof. To think something's a dream and find out somebody's having the exact same one. And you're yeah. like, oh. yeah. I think that's the worst part of it. I mean, because I've had weird experiences and stuff of like relatives that have died but the fact that they shared something that was so fearful like that's that's what gets me more than anything yeah because once i picked out this bracelet and um so like my mother has passed away i'm adopted and i remember once i picked out a bracelet with sunflowers on it and my aunt kim was like oh was that heather's uh my birth mother's and I'm like, no, it's something I, I got just the other day. And she's oh. like, oh, well, sunflowers are our favorite flower, you know. Had no idea. Good to know. So, like, I, I do things like that constantly. And so, like, now my mom and gets me and my birth mother confused with memories and stuff. She's like, wait, do I go to the movies with you or Heather? And, and, her, and Heather and I, we look a lot alike, too. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I am basically, like, her little clone. So we have creepy moments all the time. I love yeah. synchronicities like that. Mm-hmm. And and so the fact that, like, your mom and her sister 
uh, Keen are doing that, but it's something they're very scared of. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, I hope. Yeah. I don't want to have that experience. (laughs) Yes. Well, the fact you got, like, a lady coming at you. Because she always said that, like, the closer the lady got to her, she got more scared. And then something would always wake her up. Like, something in the house she was currently in would slam and wake her up and i'm like oh, no thank you <laughs> no thanks it's a hard pass <laughs> hard pass and i i'm a huge i subscribe to that like paranormal in your dreams because when i was really young i had a dream that my grandpa died and we were all in a room and my grandma was crying saying i don't know how i'm gonna do this i can't live without him and the next day i got a phone call that my grandpa had collapsed and we were in the hospital in that room with my grandma saying that I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then that night I had a dream that my grandpa was like playing with me and like a a slide and a swing set. And he was just like, you know, you just got to be there for your grandma. It's going to be hard for her. But and he looked because my grandpa had severe arthritis and he just had complete joint replacements like in his whole hands. And um Ooh. But in my dream, he was just like running up and down and playing with me, and he was like uh-huh. young again, you know, in heart. And nice. So, I had, so at least I got that little closure. But yeah, I saw. I think I talked about it on podcast before when my car accident, where my grandma came and talked to me. Yes, that still creeps me out. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, eh, my grandparents visit me in my dreams, but at least yeah. they're not scary. They're just like comforting. Yeah, yeah. Mine, mine visit me too, and it's just very interesting. I've been disappointed, though, because, like, when I want it, like, I want people to visit me, they don't. It's just, it happens. Because my best friend died in 2005, and uh, I just hoped that she would come to me in my dreams, and she never did. So, that's disappointing. But I still think she fucks with me every once in a while, because, like, certain things would happen that she did to me when she was alive to, like, practical (laughs) jokester. And I'm like, I see you, Ray. (laughs) see what you're doing. Nice. Love it. All right, guys, that is it for today's extra uh, suck. And uh, we are out of story, so send us some, please. Yes, please do. <laughs> and to do that, you will go to historicalafpod at gmail.com. Send us those stories, please. So follow <laughs> us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at historicalafpod. And uh, be sure to just, you know, give us good reviews and shit. I don't know. Yeah, do the thing. <laughs> Five if stars. Taking, if you're taking shots, booty clap. Booty yes. clap. <laughs> booty clap, booty cap. Booty, booty clap. clap. I just said booty cap. I need to I need to stop. <laughs> and if you're wondering with our level of drunk, our uh, drunk dive is going to be on fire. It's so going to be so good. Join Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash historical as fuck. Yes, and then merchandise. We'll just throw that in there. That's at shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. I'm too drunk for this. <laughs> That's not part of the thing. That's not That's part, part of the, the thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, so if you're rating Area 51, you should definitely get that alien merch, though. And if you take a picture with an alien, we will just throw money at you at this point because I just need to see that shit. But you have to be wearing out of jail. Sorry. Yeah, but you have to be wearing our merch while you take a picture with alien. Yes. Stipulation. But if you go on our merch site right now, which is (laughs) July, (laughs) forgot what day it was, July thirty first, twenty nineteen through August fourth, twenty nineteen, and put in Summer Sun fifteen, you get fifteen percent off all orders. Fuck yes. Hell yeah, I'm gonna buy some shit. Oh yeah. Yes. (laughs) 
And I'm not even lying. Like, I wear our historical AF pod shirt everywhere because it's so comfortable. And, like, I hate scratchy shit. So I wear it to the gym. I wear it everywhere. I probably you do like wash it. it, right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you can get a few wears in there, you know? Real talk. Yeah, understandably. Okay. <laughs> We're yeah. the environment. Oh, it's so comfortable. I love it so much. So definitely. And the mug, like I have the mug and I put it in the dishwasher and it didn't even phase it. So they're not lying. Cause sometimes you buy mugs and are like, dishwasher safe. And then that shit breaks mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. well, this one's good. So definitely oh. go check that out. Yes. Yeah. I really need the like popping willies in my space copter shirt. I know, I know. And we're going to be updating because we have Natalie now. So we're going to update with our new logo and a bunch of new shit. So keep an eye out on our merch site. Yes. Super excited. Uh, <laughs> and if anybody's still listening, high five for sticking with us. Yeah. Clap. Dear God. There we go. Booty clap. Yeah. <laughs> Booty clap. <laughs> All right. And we will see you for the next extra episode in a month. So have a good yes. month. Bye. 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 Bye.